1: Well, hey, everyone. This is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, and iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network
2: production. I'm Joey Santos. And I'm Alan Nevins. And this week we are talking to Sarah Wayne Callies. You may know her from some of the huge TV shows she has done, including Prison Break, The Walking Dead, Colony, the Long Road Home, Council of Dads, among many others, and now she has a new podcast called Aftershock. And it's it's actually a scripted podcast. Yes, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the old-time radio shows. I, I love that. Yeah. So let's grab a drink and dive in. So this week's cocktail for our
1: special guest Sarah. She spoke that she loves uh, Saint-Germain, which is a nice little um, elderberry liqueur that I'm Mm -hmm. going to add to. You can do it with Pinot Grigio or a crisp white wine, or you can add it to a champagne and make it a spritzer. So that's what I did for her today. Garnish it with a fresh lemon, or I'm garnishing it with a peach. And I named it after her Broadway aspirations, because she's very much the actress, and I would like to call it the Sarah Saint-Germain. Oh, very nice. She'll love that. Her Broadway stage name. (laughs)
2: Great. Sarah Saint-Germain. while we're having these drinks, let's talk about our week. I have a lot to talk about. Do you have a lot to talk about? I have a few things I could talk about now. Well, so I went to the movies. And, you know, the movies have been very interesting because I've been watching the box office returns. And, you know... Things that would have made $100 million a couple of years ago are making like $9 million, right? And I've been paying attention to this thing. And then suddenly the new Fast and Furious F9 comes out, and it does $70 million in one weekend. And I thought, okay, obviously the kids are ready to go back to the movie theater and see movies, right? And we were looking for something to go see. And we thought, you know what? It was my fault because I like these action movies, so I convinced Will. I said, let's go see F9. It's doing big business. It must be pretty darn good. Okay, I will never see a Fast and Furious movie ever, ever again. That's all I'm going to say. My mother used to say, if you have nothing to say, then don't say it at all. Nothing nice Nothing nice to say. to say. I have nothing nice to say about the movie, so I will not say anything. There was some great... Chase scenes and some great sort of shootouts, but otherwise, it was one big, giant, big old turd. Okay, now this, now you
1: hear yourself, and I'm glad you're saying this on, you know, that it's being recorded (laughs) because this is coming out of the mouth of a person who just ordered a souped up Mustang. I didn't want, that's not a souped up Mustang. (laughs) Red with a stripe with a lightning bolt down the side. I did not get a red with, with a, a lightning purple hood.
2: Bolt. Oh, you are exaggerating. <laughs> I got the electric Mustang. It's a big difference. Oh, the grandpa version. <laughs> the golf cart version. Exactly. And it's a crossover SUV. It's yeah, but not you have a, a lightning bolt down the side. I do not have a lightning bolt. What's that bolt. purple thing? What are you talking about? Well, you color, it's I, it's I, black on black. There's no purple, there's it no is. lightning bolts.
1: What are you talking about? Well, I saw the picture, and it looked purple with a red well, you stripe down the haven't seen a picture of anything,
2: because if there is no picture of my car, they're mm-hmm. building it today. Right, i got to notice see. your car is being built by Ford today. All right, we shall see what's in the four driveway With four-wheel drive, week. extended range battery to Mammoth in one charge, if I really am careful.
1: Now, what happens if you get stuck in the middle of it? You can't plug it in. Yeah, of
2: course. There's charging stations all the way in to Mammoth. On, the, on the on the
1: that there's, road all the way up to Mammoth. You can
2: There's not even a tumbleweed. There are seven charging stations along the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, we and t- shall and see. Two, Don't be calling me. And two in Mammoth, by the way. So, electric cars in California are the thing. You can charge anywhere. And the other day, in fact, when we went to this movie that we did not like very much, had we had my electric car, we could have parked in a great parking spot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we have a whining all the way to the top now that, of the that, hill. That, that,
1: that point, because I will not borrow someone else's handicap sticker like some people we know. Oh, you're not looking at me. No. Oh. I was looking at your microphone.
2: I don't have somebody's handicap sticker. You don't? No, well,
1: don't? What's that thing in your car window right now?
2: I don't have a handicap sticker in my window. What are you talking about?
1: That blue thing that... Oh, maybe that's a parking pass. Oh, I don't
2: know. I thought it was a handicap sticker. I do not have a handicap I know you've been limping sticker. lately, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> conveniently to park. I have front. no
2: idea what you're talking about. I do okay. not have a handicap sticker. He also doesn't have a purple Mustang on order. I don't. Black on black. We're going to have to cut all of this? It's so <laughs> untrue.
1: All right, I'm only kidding. Okay. Kind of.
2: Kind of. <laughs> anyway that was my but oh but the good news there was good news about going to see this movie as disappointed as I was in this over-the-top movie where their car they spl- slap a jet on the car and fly into space to fix a satellite the whole audience was laughing it was so stupid and this is what F9. Which number installment nine, nine. nine. Mm-hmm. and uh, I mean the audience was groaning it was so stupid But the good news is the theater was really full and people were going to the movies. And I thought, oh, there's a chance the movies are coming back. Well, if that's the movies that are coming back. Well, there were other movies, but I mean, just that that people are feeling comfortable to go to the movies. And of course, it was before the mask mandate in L.A. County. So nobody had masks on and it was quite full. Well, I went to the
1: theater last night for a reading of a play and everybody had their masks on. And oh, it
2: was okay, I, was, I could read you here. You wouldn't need to go to a theater. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've been read before. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just read you a few minutes ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everybody had the uh, had their
2: masks on. Yeah, because great. the mandate went in on yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. What um, for a reading of a? It was a reading of a play. Yeah,
1: and it was called The Last Gin Game, and it was Ed Asner. Mm-hmm. A wonderful actor. He used to be on uh, – he was Lou Grant on Mary right, Moore, and then, of course, his own TV series. And a lot of movies. A lot of movies and television shows, yeah. And then Ruta Lee, who's a veteran uh, TV actress and film actress, and she uh, – they portrayed – it was an interesting kind of story. It was And, you know, it's really nice. And I, I get it, all the ages can say what they want, but when you see professional actors, it really is a joy to watch them work because the, they don't skip a beat you know they're articulate they have their timing down and you could sit back and and 2 hours go by you know and you're just enthralled because they just you know they bring you in that professionalism is is just so wonderful to uh, to witness it especially and I was right up in front you know for first row and they were right in front of me so it, it was it was fun to watch Andrew came and another friend of ours joined us uh, And anyway, it's about it's about a a couple not not a couple it's two people he was an old uh, he's in his 90s now, an actor, and, and she's an actress in her 80s, and they're both living in the Hollywood home. In Woodland Hills? Yeah. Yeah. For this, what was that called? The yeah, Hollywood home. The Hollywood home. So it was the two of them seeing each other, you know, had worked together, knew each other, and who's their work, et cetera, and that they start a conversation and they start playing uh, cards. And then during their card game, they start recounting their career. And it turns out uh, that they had an affair early on when they were both in their twenties, and and secretly other. she had <laughs> his child that he that he never knew that he ever had. And oh, so it was this whole thing that comes out sixty years later oh, with two people. It was very actually. interesting. Yeah, it was so well done, and it was uh, it was very uh, very sweet. So it was fun. We went afterwards backstage and chatted with them both because I've met. At Asner, quite a few times, and I'm very good friends with Ruta Lee for, for a long time. So it was nice, and it was a fun evening, and and but it went on. I mean, it started about um, seven o'clock, and we didn't even roll out of there until almost ten thirty. So, oh yeah, yeah. Cut,
2: cut, cut. That's what I say. Cut it down. Make it move.
1: Yeah. No, I mean it was just. I mean, I because we went backstage, we chatted. We, you know, the, it wasn't three hours long, three and right. a half hours long, but it was definitely
2: a long close evening.
1: to two. And then by the time you kibitz and do all that stuff that you do. You
2: well, know. I wish our Saturday evening. had been longer, actually, because we went to the Hollywood Bowl and saw Christina you Aguilera. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, I've always liked her you know, music, I wouldn't say I'm a fan fan, I don't follow her or anything, but I've always liked some of the, of the music. And uh, Saturday morning, we noticed that she had played Friday night. A lot of people posted on Facebook. And, of course, we looked at each other and thought, oh, damn, I would have liked to have seen that concert. And I said, you know what? So we're prepared. Let's go see who else is at the Hollywood Bowl this summer. And I scrolled up there, and lo and behold, she's performing two nights in a row and was also performing Saturday night. So I bought two tickets in a box seat. We did the whole picnic basket thing and brought the wine and the, the whole dinner. And... Can I tell you, putting Christina Aguilera with that voice and a 60-piece orchestra— So
1: the Philharmonic?
2: The L.A. Philharmonic, directed by Gustavo, of course, who's so so well-known— It was extraordinary. The audience, and there's people there that are on their season tickets, and you could see some of these older people sitting around going, you know, what the hell you know, is going on here? And they were absolutely sucked in and thought, wow. She did some of her hits. She did you know, some of the things that maybe you don't hear as often. But that voice and that orchestra, it was mesmerizing. The audience was thrilled.
1: Yeah, well, it's nice to hear music. That's kind of why we go to
2: concerts. So. Yeah, but she, yeah. You know, she's she got that voice anyway. And she was so humble and so lovely and you know, talked and that's about- That's on stage. It. Yeah, on stage. Mm-hmm. Well, we should have her on here. We should. Because talk about a talent and now, I've seen a couple people there where they put the orchestra behind. I mean, when we saw Elton John, Australia with an orchestra, I mean, it changes everything to have that live music, to have all of those orchestra pieces and to have them rearrange the music. It really was amazing.
1: Well, I mean, we're in that, in that summer season, so, the, you know, they're coming back. We might as well hit it while we can before they pull that out. Right, exactly.
2: Uh, I see Lady Gaga's doing One Night in Paris and no other concerts. Would you like to go do that? Yes, I would love that.
1: Okay. I would love that.
2: In Paris, France? Yeah.
0: Of course.
1: I'd do that before the poll. Would
2: you grab the tickets? Yeah, i have to. (laughs) I'll grab them and uh, stick them up your ass. (laughs) You can get them. I'm happy to go with you.
1: (laughs) You get the plane, I'll get the concert. (laughs) That might be the deal. That might be more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That might be the deal quite an introduction to Sarah, but when we come back, <laughs> Sarah Wayne Cowleys. Joining the conversation today, we have someone I've known for many years through a work colleague of mine, Brian Metavoy, and that is Sarah Wayne Cowleys. Many of you will already know who she is. She has been in major television shows. She has played some real kick-ass parts for a woman. And she is multi-talented, she's directing, she's writing, she is a powerhouse for, uh, as an advocate for women's issues and whatnot, and we are so thrilled to have her on the show today. Welcome. Hey, Welcome, guys.
0: Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you both.
2: Yeah, you too. Well, we're thrilled that you're here. Now, before we start, in case you're not familiar, we start with a cocktail every week for our guests. Joey fashions up a cocktail Joey's is gone, I see.
1: Uh, I had
2: a day today.
0: Joey's got a glass of ice. That's his cocktail. Yes,
1: Joey drank his cocktail early. My partner got into a little accident with my new Maserati this morning and um, smashed the front. So he was so upset, so I just drowning
2: myself in this cocktail. I was going to say, we just sat down. Mine's full, uh, as you can see. I'm. So, Normally, I mean, it's the other way around. Mine's usually empty while Joey's still talking it's about it. It's an
1: accident, so i I'm
0: I'll so get over sorry it, to but... hear it. Although, the word's brand new Maserati. I'm like, I'll take the old one if it's all smashed up. <laughs> I got a body shop here in uh, BC that will take care of it. Some great teamsters. I stuff. was
1: so pissed. Oh, no. But it's not so bad. It's not so bad. It was just a shock. But anyway, it's fine. And it'll be fine.
2: So well, now explain to the, the drink, drink that, you've that I drank, drank uh-huh. that I made for you.
1: <laughs> I, I, I heard you like Saint Germain, uh-huh. so I did a little spritz, a Saint Germain spritz. So I did it with uh, Pinot Grigio, uh-huh. a nice crisp Pinot Grigio, a little bit of Saint Germain. And uh, I garnished it instead of with a lemon, I gar- garnished it with a peach. But you can do with a nice fresh lemon wedge, Ooh. too. And then a dash of San Pellegrino to give it the little bubble. Mm-hmm. You can also make this with champagne. Exact same recipe, but substitutes champagne for the wine. And there you go. Cheers. And I, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And I called it. So in case you decide to embark on Broadway, maybe you have already. But I'm going to change. The name of this drink is for your, a.k.a. Your Broadway name will be Sarah Saint-Germain. starring on broadway in
0: sarah sancho (laughs) man i love it
1: there you go Salud. cheers
0: by the way it's definitely a burlesque show on broadway if it's Sarah totally that's like a (laughs) yeah because who doesn't want to see a 44 year old woman in her all togethers on broadway that's
1: that's that's Ah. when you own your body women in their 40s (laughs) own their body more than ever
0: that's entirely true
1: yeah, I mean, their sexuality, true. their body, their presence. Yeah, my husband's so, yeah. never been happier. Yeah, if that's when you should strip, that's when you should strip.
0: Well, okay. <laughs> We're off to a real great Unless you want to do it on you the show sir. today. Well, I, I told you, I'm already ahead you're of gonna you are help our ratings
2: tremendously.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I turned down the cover of Maxim at 29, and then I'm going to go to Broadway and take my clothes off in the 40s. Well, Joan,
1: did, Joan Collins funny. did Playboy at 50.
0: I ain't so. Joan Collins, baby. I mean, I wish <laughs> in some ways, if I did Playboy at 50, there'd be a lot of people being like, Who the hell is the old lady in Playboy? Like, at least with <laughs> her, she's like, ah, Joan Collins. They'd be like, I don't know. What happened to like downmarket Jennifer Garner?
2: Well, you have a pretty big following. And that's the first thing we want to talk about, actually, is your new podcast.
0: My new podcast.
2: Yeah, we yeah, like, like to eliminate we like to eliminate the competition.
0: <laughs> I'm loving it. I mean, well the thing is because it's a scripted podcast, the whole thing's done, right? right? We had to deliver the whole thing. We did a lot of it on this here squadcast during mm-hmm. um the pandemic. What I promised all the actors would be 2 days in a studio in New York or LA, you'll be out turned into like 8:40 minute squadcast sessions. I have a great picture actually that Jeffrey Dean Morgan sent me. Of some technical difficulties and he's got a cigarette in one hand a can of coke in another his cans on and he's just flipping me off and i'm like i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't invent the pandemic uh, but it's been good you know i mean we we made it to number two on apple's all-time best drama
2: yeah. list
0: wow. which means i think which I is great get to call myself a drama queen <laughs> yeah it's cool
2: now you wrote it correct you directed it You produced it? Yep. You did it all?
0: I cast it. I mean, I co-created it. Right. So it was brought to me by Patrick Harmon and Ben Haber, my producing partners and um, Pat's a YA novelist. And he had this really kind of cool big idea that we used as a jumping off point. And, you know, it's always, it sounds very fancy to be like, I did all this stuff, but like, the village is giant, right? (laughs) Like. There were right. financiers and there were reps and there are all these people. There's the guys at, at iHeart and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was a level of creative control that I've never, not, not control, creative input that I've never had mm-hmm. before. Starting with what stories are we going to tell and who's going to be in them? You know, I got to bring characters to life that I've wanted to see my whole life. I've got a native Hawaiian activist, you know, and a and, uh, host of other people. Speaking of Broadway, Tova Felcha plays an 80s sitcom star who's now the leader of a cult. Like... I just got to like play around with these amazing relationships with women that I really wanted to see. That was cool.
2: And what is the story based upon? Is it something you came up with or is it based on a book? Where, where did the story come from?
0: No, so Patrick Carmen um, had this really cool kind of kernel of an idea, which is what would happen if a new island rose up out of the ocean, which was kind of cool. And I wanted to really ground it. So I did a bunch of research in geology and figured out like, well, what would be required for that to happen? And so that kind of ended up backing into this idea that there's it's the big one, right? The earthquake that everybody in L.A. has been told will happen. Earthquake hits, levels L.A. and 13 miles off the coast in international waters, this new island comes up. And from there, it's kind of the story of the new frontier. What would the new frontier look like now instead of like, you know, a bunch of white guy cowboys and traders and railway men who would be the people who would go there? Who would be the right. women who would go there? What would their relationships be like? And, you know, land rights, indigenous land rights, that kind of thing.
2: It's a big island.
0: It's a big island. I mean, think of it kind of like the size of Catalina.
2: Okay. Oh, you so know? not that so big.
0: It's not like New Zealand big. Right.
2: And, and right. how many miles, <laughs> since you've done all the research, does one need to go off coast to become in international waters? Is
0: it 13 miles? I think it's 13 miles. So we are exactly 13 miles off the coast.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's where you can go out and you can gamble, you know. But Catalina's that far off, right? But they're part of California, technically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the U.S. has claimed Catalina. But this is, since it's unclaimed land, you know, that's the question of who gets to say, hey, this is mine. Who plants their flag? That kind of
2: a thing. Interesting. Yeah. And how many episodes is this scheduled to be in season
0: one? We did 10 episodes. They're about 30 minutes each. And it's kind of, you know, it's sort of interesting because there's little things. I mean, number one, our audience is blind, right? So we have to generate their whole imagination, which is kind of amazing because the budget you'd need to really destroy L.A. would be pretty high. But imagination <laughs> is free. So that's right. kind of cool. But, you know, another part of it is that, like, you can't really have more than four people in a scene. hmm and people have to have very distinct voices. So like when I was thinking about casting, I'm like, well, Dave Harbour. No one sounds like Dave Harbour. And so that was very specific. I, you know, I created a character who's from France because I needed somebody with a French accent so that she would sound different. And so I called my friend Joy, and I was like, can I get your best French accent? Um, <laughs> speaking of Cali Saint-Germain.
1: Right. <laughs> Sarah Saint-Germain.
0: Sarah Saint-Germain. There we go. Joy Saint-Germain, <laughs> basically. She did a beautiful job. So, it's, I mean, it's creatively, it's an interesting challenge to just give yourself those, create, those constraints and then say, make something good, make something interesting and unique. Right.
2: Well, I did listen to the first one and loved it. So I wanted everybody else to know about it. Because, you know, it's like old time radio in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brings back, you know, that whole thing with making the noises with the shoes on the thing, you know, yeah. you envision that sort of thing. And I love that.
0: Yeah, the Foley artist. I mean, that's the thing. Jeff Schmidt was our, um, Schmidt was our, uh, our sound engineer. And, you know, on a film set, that's, it's an important job, but it's not every job. And we were in the edit and I was like, oh my God, you're the production designer. You're the lighting designer. You're the sound designer. You're the, I mean, it's this massive thing. And yeah, he did, he did really brilliant work. I'm very grateful to him. He made us sound a lot better than I think I (laughs) realized we could.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's chat about your career for a second. Since you're doing this podcast, let's back up. Because you've been on some major television shows, like The Walking Dead. Am I right? That was eight years.
0: I was on it from the pilot until the end of season three, but I wasn't in much of season three. I think I did four episodes, three or four episodes of season three. Right. So yeah, it was a big show
2: then. It was a huge show, Mm. and um, you played Lori Grimes. I did. People loved this character, and then you went on to other things. Prison Break, that was Colony. a great show. But these are all uh, the very strong women roles. Is there a role out there that you would like to be offered that you haven't, that you would have done had it been offered to you? Is there something that attracts you that you would have said, that's the role I would like to do?
0: Yes, there, is, there are two kinds of roles that I really want to play. And I can be specific, but generally I would like to play an evangelist and I would also mm, like oh. to play a madam because I think. From, Isn't that the same oh. thing? I mean,
1: <laughs> with well, all due not respect on to Tammy
0: Faye. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, I mean, they're very specific <laughs> kinds of female power. Yeah. And actually the, the evangelist that I really wanted to play, I wanted, I tried to make it happen for a long time. I'm not sure it will now. I might just write it and give it to someone else. But um, Amy Semple McPherson who founded the Angelus Temple. She basically founded Echo Park. Charlie Chaplin used to go to her services. She did eight sermons a week, 5,000 people at a sermon. Charlie Chaplin called her the best show in town. She's astounding. And she was either the greatest faith healer documented in modern history, because the AMA spent years, and they were unable to discredit her, or she was the best con man of the twentieth century, and
1: yeah, right.
0: That's just that's well. There's cool. a list of them.
1: I mean, do you do you remember Catherine
0: Kuhlman? No,
1: look her up. Okay. Also, did you ever see um, uh, what Jan? Remember, remember, she had like purple hair or pink hair, and she was always crying. Sylvan. And oh my miracle no. chick! The miracle chick came back to life. They kind of took over when Tammy uh, when Tammy Faye and Jim got ousted. Right. They took over and created the was it the Chris or the TBN or, or the one after they were gone. Look yeah. them up too. It's Jan okay. and uh, uh, shit. I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. Because they're a trip and a half, and there's some good ones to to mimic. They you know really what I mean? Are
0: yeah, they really are. They're cool. She had an amazing orbit. Yeah. And, you know, there was also this time in her life where she was swimming on Santa Monica, I think, and she vanished. And she was the oh. most famous woman in the world. And there was this, like, 80 day manhunt, and they couldn't find her. And then one day she shows up with this story. She walks out of the desert, I think, in Mexico. And she, she just
1: swam to the desert?
0: <laughs> well, that was his whole thing. And, like,
1: I think you might want to think she's maybe a con man like, more than the. Uh...
0: <laughs> yeah in theory yeah i mean uh, in theory yeah there's i mean look there's okay. so much room for skepticism and i really <laughs> value that skepticism but it's you'll so... find
2: a lot of it here yeah
0: but isn't it wouldn't it be interesting if you could create a story where there was also room for the possibility that she was who she said yeah. she was do you know what i mean yeah like, absolutely what yeah. would that even i, mean, I don't look know. like i just think it's kind of yeah cool. i know
1: it is kind of exactly. cool. Well, you know, you, you ever you ever dig a hole in the a hole in the ground, and you keep digging and digging, and then you you know you come up with water. Yeah. Maybe she just came up through that <laughs> hole. <laughs>
0: Well, she said something about being kidnapped, but like, how do you kidnap somebody from a beach when they're from swimming? The, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a Jonah and the whale she was situation. A strange one.
1: Maybe, Yeah, well, that could be.
0: It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot.
1: She hitched a ride. Yeah, <laughs>
0: she hitched a ride on the whale, who then went to Tijuana to yeah. like
1: out the blowhole in the middle of it. The... Yeah. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, well, there
1: you go. That's imagination. I like that. There you go. Hey, listen, the Bible's full of those stories, so that could be.
0: It's cool stuff. It's cool stuff. Yeah,
2: very cool stuff. Yep. So those well I got to get back on track here. It's
0: okay. Fair <laughs> enough.
2: Two interesting ideas. I like the Amy Simple McPherson. I think that would be a really interesting movie.
0: It's very cool. Would you do it
2: as a series or a movie?
0: I mean, I think there's a she had such a fascinating life because she also she started in Canada, right? She's from Ontario. Yeah. So I think there's a version of it where you tell her story in sort of 6 to 8 parts.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And you track yeah, And there's her. a new a
1: new Tammy Faye coming out, I think.
0: I think so. Who's playing her? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I read it and then I forgot. Is it being sponsored by Maybelline? Yeah. <laughs> I met her actually one time in, um, in um, North Carolina. Did she you? She was quite interesting. Yeah, quite interesting and quite a f- joy to be around. I mean, great sense of humor hmm. and very gay friendly and pro-gay and all of that stuff. You wouldn't have thought so, but very much so.
0: Did they have a public stance, the Bakers?
1: She did. I don't. Well, he was a different story. Allegedly, he had more of a gay stance than we want. He wanted to admit, but uh, but cliche. she also mm-hmm. is. <sighs> and especially when the with the AIDS crisis, she did a lot of um, that's right stuff for that. Mm-hmm. So that that was really good. So she she really had a lot of gay followers that you know that appreciated her and celebrated her. And and I think at a time that she needed it most, and they rallied around her. So. Very interesting how the, sometimes the people that you put down or, or you keep away are the ones that you need the most. You find out who your friends are in the end when, the, when times get troubled. And she found that out. And, 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 you know, the one thing about the gay community, we don't forget the people that, that
2: embrace us. Huh. I mean, look, we've kept Judy alive for a long time. <laughs> and put Donna Summer down. <laughs> as soon as Donna Summer turned, so her career. Mm-hmm. Is that right? She was over the minute. Oh, the minute she came out against gays, that career ended. Yeah, but I don't that think wasn't I fair. That, that, she did. that wasn't fair. She didn't really. That was
1: press turning against her, and it it really screwed her up, and it really hurt her hmm. uh, in more ways than one. And I'm, I was very good friends with her and her sister and her family, and that that took her to some places she didn't need to go. Mm. She never really got over that. Mm. So yeah, that that was just the press turning against her. So and then the community followed it.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: But and then you know back then, people didn't have their own social channels to be able to rebut it. Right. Like now she could just right. get on Facebook or Twitter and say, Hey, yeah, hey, and hey say, hey, hey, this is not. Yeah. Uh, you know.
1: Right. Although, but we're fighting another. You know, we're fighting that other culture, that cancel culture too. So, yes and no.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
2: When well, you brought true. up Canada, you're living in Canada.
0: I'm living in Canada.
2: Are you Canadian?
0: I am an aspiring Canadian. (laughs) So I've been basically the equivalent of a green card holder here for 15 years. And my Canadian um, citizenship application is in. And I'm studying my Welcome to Canada guidebook that they sent me. And every time it's cocktail hour with my Canadian friends, I'm like, let's see how many of these questions you guys can answer. And it's (laughs) fascinating because if somebody gave me the American citizenship exam, Like, I think I could pass it, but maybe not. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that you don't, um, you sort of take for granted or, you you know, you live someplace so you don't study them, study them. But yes, I'm an aspiring dual citizen.
2: But don't you think that's the problem and the case with Americans is they don't really know their own history and... What's going on, and now they've got all sorts of stances about things they don't know what they're talking about?
0: What I think is fascinating <laughs> is the pronoun you're using right now.
2: You're Americans, saying they. They. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is really interesting, the way we talk about. Groups Others, that we're because, a of part course, of, I mean feel... everybody
2: but me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I was even watching this. Um, there's this cool documentary on Netflix right now called This Changes Everything, and it's about women in Hollywood, and specifically women directors in Hollywood. And all of these women, or many of them, would talk about women in Hollywood. And I remember I noticed it with Meryl Streep, and she kept talking about they. Well, women in Hollywood, they have to this, or they used to this, or they... Instead I was of like, we. We, mm-hmm. friend, we. But we. understand, but like, we have been taught to sort of distance ourselves from the, Anyway, that was just my random
1: No, that, No, yeah, that's very interesting, reason. especially with women and, women and directors, because directing has always been such a male-dominated um, profession. So women always felt like, how do we break in? How do we break in? So I think for them to be conditioned or reconditioning themselves and mm-hmm. owning the fact that, yes, I am a director. We are directors. It was like with pilots. Remember how that was, too? Or even chefs, for that matter. Yeah. Women felt very excluded, like they. So I understand where you're coming from. And that, and that way of addressing it is, is so, almost like you're putting yourself out of it when you're doing this same work, if not better.
0: You alienate yourself. Hey, mm-hmm, yeah, this is totally. really random, but I've been wanting to know this for a long time, and maybe you know, speaking of female chefs, is prune mm-hmm. back? I you know,
1: I don't I think I don't think it ever went away. I think what happened was it had such a connotation, it was almost like the closet fruit.
0: <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> I mean the restaurant. No, she
2: doesn't mean the fruit. Oh. To prune.
0: <laughs> she means
2: the restaurant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I never knew I never knew Prune was a restaurant. I got so, so okay, go. never mind. I, I thought maybe you were...
0: She wrote this amazing op-ed <laughs> in the New York Times, right? Do you remember this? In early COVID. I can't remember her name, but Prune was her nickname. She wrote this book called Blood, Bones, and Butter, The Adventures of a Reluctant Chef. And it was this incredible book, and I loved it so much. that The next time I was in New York, I started eating there, and it was wonderful. And then in early COVID, she wrote this op-ed and she's like, I am not turning myself into Arby's. I'm not doing takeout. I'm waiting until oh, the restaurant I get can yeah. come back. And everyone I know who's going to New York right now, I'm like, tell me how Prune is doing because I've got this giant spot in my heart for it and I hope that she's doing well. So is there in it's there in New York? It's on the, what, Lower East Side, I think.
2: Okay,
1: well, I'm going to New York next week. I'll I'll find out. I'll get back to I you. I mean, who <laughs> knows what survived this thing? I
2: know. We we went to the movies the other night, and I found out that I didn't realize that Pacific Theaters was really closing everything. All those movie theaters at the Grove gone, and the oh. and the one in Hollywood with the Cinerama Dome gone. Whoa! Closed. Mm-hmm. So there's nowhere. In this area to go see a movie, except the Chinese theater in Hollywood, if you want to go deal with all the tourists and the people, you know, wow. dressed like Batman. <laughs> and, or you have to go <laughs> to Century City. So that one that you used to go to where you have
1: dinner and the lounge chairs and all that is gone? No, that was iPix. Is that still Westwood. there?
2: That's Westwood. But that's still there. Yes. Okay.
0: Is the Arclight gone?
2: Yeah, the arc Arclight. Arc Pacific gone. Theater is gone. Holy. Never to I know, reopen. I Big time. Yep. And the dome, it's got boards all over it. It's so depressing.
0: God, I, I don't think I went anywhere but the arc Light to see a movie whenever I was in L.A.
2: Yeah, that was my favorite, yeah. too. Cocktail break. We'll be right back. I want to go back to the other conversation. Is there a reason you are switching citizenship?
0: I mean, I'm not going to renounce my U.S. citizenship.
2: Right. You just feel if you're going to live in Canada, you should accept that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will... Um... I will be a dual citizen and I will Mm -hmm. um, continue to vote and continue to organize and continue to raise my voice wherever I can in the States. I mean, to be perfectly candid, back when an American election was decided by the Supreme Court, my husband and I looked at each other and we thought it could take a really long time, but this could be the beginning of the end of the American experiment. And Mm -hmm. we had both been like, you know, kind of high school and college activists, And I was like, I, I don't like how angry people get in this country when they disagree. There's a difference between, yeah. you know, actually I see it differently and fuck you, man. I get to believe what I believe. And I was like, I just, I, and then I went, we went to Canada because I was working up here and it reminded me of Hawaii where I grew up, where people would be like, huh, I didn't think of it that way. I don't think I agree with you, but I sure appreciate your opinion. And Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, this is so civilized. And then Bush v. Gore happened. Well, it used
2: to be like that everywhere.
0: It did. The end of I mean, you could bring it up with anybody.
2: I had I have had clients. God, you said it right. So conservative that we could have a discussion, and there was no hatred. There was no like I, I saw things differently. A lot of it has to do with where you came from, how you were raised why you were raised that way. There's different reasons why people have different ideas. Uh-huh. But I think both parties are so distorted now, nobody really knows what party they're in.
0: Uh-huh.
2: You know, Republicans think they're in the Republican Party, then they see things going on, they were like, that's not the Republican Party I'm in. And the Democrats are doing the same thing. Well, I mean, I never signed up to have a thing where everybody gets everything free, Who who's gonna pay for that? People don't really think I'm a Democrat, but I never I never said you shouldn't have to go to work. You shouldn't have to get up in the morning and do right. something to earn a living. Right. Well, we need to stop calling it a party because that's a party I
1: will never RSVP to. <laughs> number one. Yeah. Number two, there's nothing, you know. But I remember as a kid when my father or my parents would vote, you know, came that time of, you know, to right. vote and they say, oh, who'd you vote for as a kid? Oh, who'd you vote for? Daddy says, nope, we don't talk about that. Right. That's mm. a private thing. And the reason you don't is because that's something that you do to support, you know, and to make the changes and to do the things that you do as a citizen. But it's not just up for like, oh, that conversation. And if you really had a conversation, it was based on what you wanted to learn and what you wanted to share, not something you wanted to hate over or try and judge or or depict. Uh-huh.
2: Well, politics have all become about the politicians. It's not really about Americans. It's all become, what are they going to do to get reelected? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Everybody says, oh, that's the person for me. But when you look at what's going on in Congress for both sides, it's like, well, how is that helping me? Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing for us? You're supposed to be there for us, not for yourselves.
0: It's not serving. I mean, one of the it's things that serving. I
2: notice
0: living someplace that, does, that has a, a multi-party system is that I think it's very challenging when you're in a constant winner-take-all battle. There's never any incentive to compromise. I mean, like right now, the B.C. government is a coalition government. And so, you know, one party got more votes, but not enough to form a government. So they had to form a coalition with another party. And that means there's compromise. That means there has to be civility. That means... That means that it's a more open conversation and you do more listening because mm-hmm. you have to. Mm-hmm. And this to. constant like whiplash of, we're in charge, Ha-ha, we're going to make all the rules. Now you're in charge, Ha-ha, we're going to make all the rules. I mean, it's just, it's exhausting. And I don't think it's, I don't know anybody who's happy with it. I don't know a single American who's like, hey, this government working for me. I feel like this is a it's great It's not thing.
2: working. People forget what these things were really meant to stand for, Mm. and uh, everything has been kind of cockeyed, and now it's something different than what it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hate the idea that people... Don't honor our past. Don't honor those people who died. You know, it works in the gay community. We have young gay people now. They have no idea what was sacrificed for them in the 80s. They think they were able to do this at any time. You know, why shouldn't I be able to go out and do whatever I wanted because this is my right? Well, guess what? A lot of people died for you to have that right. And you need to have enough respect to honor them and know that gay pride is not about dropping ecstasy and going to a sex party. (laughs) That's not what it's about.
0: Yeah you know when my son first came out he was full of all of his like this is what it means to be gay and this is what and And i was like that's great pipe down we're gonna watch milk and like two hours later he's like did that happen and i was like oh babe yes like there's so much history you know i was like angels in america is queued up next like there's you gotta you're standing yeah. I mean, Alan, you said it earlier. We're not teaching history. We're not looking at history. We're...
2: Which means you failed to do it again. I keep telling everybody we're right where Rome was when it started to fall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When the right senators there. became corrupt, Yep. the government came corrupt. And guess who rose up? But the people and they killed them all because they were not being represented and all the money and everything was going to those who had the power. And this government is supposed to be set up so that they don't have the power and it turns around and more and more they have more power and we have less money and they have more money and it's the same thing happening all over again
0: yeah and like not for nothing rome's a great city but like it fell it didn't exactly get back yeah up it was again better when those buildings time. were
2: standing no it didn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> like and then they got stuck with the vatican i mean i'm just saying we need to be very yeah. careful or-
2: yeah, because where you right where in. something falls, you never know what's going to move into its place. That's Seriously. the that's Truly. the scary part. Truly, you know, l- love your gown, but your purse is on fire. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean.
0: that's my new favorite saying. <laughs> love the gown. But um, your purse
2: speaking is on fire. about your son, you you know what you need to watch with him is very important. Did you did you watch How to Survive a Plague? No. You must watch that with him.
0: I don't know anything about it, and I'm so sorry. Help me fix my ignorance here.
2: So it's a movie that was put together. They gathered video. Of course, when that was all going on, video was rather new. Remember those really crappy video cameras and things were beta, and the video just wasn't that great. But they created a whole whole movie of that movement of trying to get the AIDS drugs approved and to get them so people would stop dying, and it was that whole fight. And they went to people and they went to videos. And if they saw a video and they could see that across the room were eight people and six of them had cameras, they would track down those six people so they could get the cross shots of the same room. And they assembled this movie together. And, of course, as the years go on, the video gets better and Mm -hmm. better and better as it gets later. And it is a really interesting documentary about the fight uh, against aids and for the approval of these aids drugs it's so fascinating
0: that's really cool i mean i i did a show up here in canada for cbc called um and actually it was on sundance in the states it was called unspeakable and it was about the canadian blood crisis Mm -hmm. but wrapped up in that was it was this tainted blood scandal where you know at the beginning of uh the aids epidemic they weren't they weren't treating blood they didn't know and so you know Hundreds of hemophiliacs, thousands of hemophiliacs got hep C and got AIDS. Yep. And, you know, they go through the history of why they wouldn't treat AIDS. And it was it was the four C's, right? It was like hemophiliacs, homosexuals, Haitians. And there was another one, the 4-H club. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it wasn't until straight men started, get, straight white men started getting AIDS that they were like, mm-hmm. we should probably do something about this. And it was you know, again, it was that kind of history that so many of the younger actors, it was new to them, you know, whereas I remember growing up and I mean, the first person that I ever loved who died, died of AIDS. And, you know, we made patches for the AIDS quilt and I was in the theater community. Like you look around and all of a sudden you're like, where did everybody go? I mean, it was, it was this plague. And I, I don't think a lot of people know about it, but my Lord, you can treat it. I mean, it's.
1: You can treat it. But.
0: Great. I mean, but it's, it, it does blow my mind, you know, a,
1: yeah.
0: a a friend of mine about a year ago that I'd known for a while sort of came out as like, by the way, I'm HIV positive and I have been for mm-hmm. X number of years and it's undetectable. And I was like, and like, I started sobbing. He's like, calm down. I'm not going to die. And I was like, really? He's like, AIDS isn't a death sentence anymore. And I was like, the last time I checked in on this was like 1983. He's like, okay, yeah, so right. come back and. You know, he's like it's. He's like I live my life, you know, very normally, yeah, and well, I mean, again, exactly. And if big they would let them do science. the same
1: thing with this virus, it wouldn't a death sentence either. Responsibility. I mean, diabetes is treatable too. I'm not ordering a strawberry sundae.
0: Right, right. Of course, you are drinking a Saint Germain, but I'm, you know.
1: <laughs> well, that's <a> good. <laughs> we well, no, go, go sometime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you might as well enjoy yourself while you're here. <laughs>
1: I'm not doing with a cherry on top.
0: I'm not uncivilized. (laughs) I just said I don't want.
2: All right. I see next to your name, it says Sarah, she, her.
0: Yeah, they put, there's a little thing on Squadcast where it says, what's your name and what are your pronouns?
2: Oh, really? Well, we're going to talk about pronouns. Okay. I have a little problem with pronouns. Yes, Alan says Empress Nevin.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, let's hear it.
2: I don't mind that someone wants to be non-binary, that they don't want to have to choose a he or a she. But you have to be, in English, and any language, you have to refer to somebody as something, right? And there are times when you have to say, you either have to replace and say, my friend, my daughter, my son, whatever. You have to say something. And many times we say, he did this or she did that. Mm -hmm. What I don't like about... The choice is that some young person thought, well, if you're not going to choose he or she, you're a they. Well, you're not a they.
0: I a understand they is yeah. a plural. As a literary person. <laughs> and they should
2: have chosen another name.
0: As a literary like, person, what? I can understand this being very difficult for you. I really, <laughs> I really do get this. So, no, because my son uh, is trans, but before he was uh, out as trans, he identified as uh, gender fluid for... About a year and went with the pronoun they. Now, my mother is a professor of English literature. My husband Mm -hmm. used to teach English. My grandmother taught uh, grade three grammar. So the whole family is down with this politically. Identify however you want. Right. But the grammar police were like, now hang on a minute. (laughs) Yes.
2: There's only one. The
0: grammar police. And I have to say that as a mom, I was like, if the kid wants they, go with they. If you wanna come up with something better and you can sell it to the youth, sell it to the youth. But like my, my giant concern as a mom was, how's your mental health? Are you feeling loved, supported, accepted? Right. And if using a pronoun that sticks in my teeth eases your journey, which I don't understand because I've never been through it. So like, it's an intellectual exercise for me. Um, mm-hmm. and one I'm super happy to go on. But like, I, I identify as a woman. I've always identified as a woman, love being a woman. Don't want any part of me to be masculine. Sorry guys, N- not interested, not even a little bit. Right. You guys are out of your minds and you have outside parts <laughs> that are vulnerable and I think that's bad design. <laughs> so I think you were the prototype and then I think the creator was like, oh sorry, 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 let's put this inside. Let's yeah, tuck change a few in. things, tuck that back in. Nobody needs <laughs> to see that. So listen, I completely understand where you're coming from, but as the mom of a teenager who's been through this, I'm like, you yeah, know whatever. what? I Sure, there's also though, there's, the, I have heard identity categories referred to by my son and his friends that I'm like, someone's gotta tell me what that is, because that's very new to me. And I get it. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I've got so many other concerns about supporting Mm -hmm. these kids that I'll I'll handle the they of it. It doesn't bug me. But I'm not a literary agent. I just want
1: to get them to another word. (laughs) The the only issue I have with with the they and the them is being a chef. It's really hard when I set the table for four people (laughs) and I've invited only four people. And then you say they're coming. And I'm like, wait a minute. That means I have to, am I making more food or am I have to take a table away? It's the only issue I have other than that.
0: Well, wasn't there a, there was a stab at X-E, right? Was that Z? Z's a? Somebody yeah. made a stab at replacing it with a gender neutral pronoun. So instead of yeah. they, you would call your assistant, you know. Z. My assistant's busy, but Z will call you back. Right. In-
2: that I support.
0: Which, yeah, I mean, I'm, again, like, fine. If that's what you need, like, great, yeah. no problem.
2: I need yeah. that. For my English
1: language, I need that. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's like <laughs> I'm with you on the mom thing, you know, and I'm, like, I'm not the same thing with the friend thing. We have to support each other, love each other, and they have so many other battles because of this world we're in. Yeah. They need all the support they can get. Who cares how they want to refer to it? We have to get used to it. So if it's they we get used to it, get used to it.
0: Maybe we should you know? change our pronoun. Maybe we should be Maybe like, okay, should. you know what? You can have they.
1: they? We will come up we'll with another
0: collective another pronoun. Another thing for us, yeah. We'll call it. I'm good it, with that. You know, I don't know. I don't see. I can't. hold older. <laughs> no. I know. You should call. But you know what?
1: I'm fine with it. <laughs> kind of over being me. <laughs> you should get like your top 20
0: writers and be like, ladies and gentlemen, and and those who identify any different way. Yeah. I would like each of you to the come up with a collective. I don't partner. like
2: non- non-binary. <laughs> Drum roll, please. But yeah. I want to say again, I support the non-binary. I just think the choice of word was wrong. It's taking something and trying to force it into a we place it doesn't it,
1: belong. That's fair. Well, you know, we're going to get the hate mail. No, no, but it's not about that. It's you know, you're going to get hate mail even if you say the right thing. <laughs> but I mean, we're not saying the wrong thing. We're just saying
0: let's learn from this. Well, and in theory, so, the male. This is going back to this civility thing, right? Like, hopefully, instead of hate mail, it's someone going, I understand your position, comma, but here's what I think. Instead of, you know, I hope you and your children die in a fire, which somebody once said to me on Facebook. And I was like, I beg you.
2: Guess what? We're way over time. We talked about a zillion things, even though we have all these things on our list we were going to talk to you about.
1: (laughs) So that means Um, you can come back, please? Or should we fly to Canada?
0: (laughs) You should fly to Canada. Yeah, because I'm feeling left out of this cocktail situation. And the
1: curtains. Right, I know. It's not fair. Bring the cocktails, bring the curtains. We'll bring the curtains. Okay. Coitons.
2: Are we allowed to come to Canada? No.
0: No. But once we open the border, unless you can consider it essential travel, well, I am bringing you
2: cocktails.
1: Is, essential essential? is that not
0: essential?
1: <laughs> we mean, are redoing your living room.
0: <laughs> Sarah Saint needs a drink. It's essential That's right. <laughs> She
2: needs a drink and she needs redecorating. <laughs> what could be more essential? <laughs> she needs window treatments. Well,
0: we are actually, I mean, I've been building my house for the last two years. And in theory, it's going to be done in the next month. Um, and truly, the one thing that I have not bought, curtains. Are oh, the window
2: treatments. No window treatments. See? absolutely essential that we come there yes absolutely essential
0: <laughs> bring well, let us know the when curtains. you guys are so fun
2: <laughs> you too we didn't even talk about brian Metavoy. he'll be so upset but so i mentioned his name just so we get it in there
0: <laughs> oh brian Metavoy is the absolute best and someday you and he and i are going to do something cool together and then we'll come back and talk about
2: it yes you can we'll toast in person where can people find you on social media
0: Instagram is Sarah Wayne Callies, my full name. I think Twitter is Sarah W. Callies, because somebody else already had my name. I think you're right, yes. I think that's probably right. Um, And I don't think think I've really done anything on Facebook in a while, and I couldn't tell you. I think that's probably my full name, too. Okay. I'm not great at that. If
2: they really want (laughs) you, they'll find you.
0: If they really want me, they'll find you. But you can find Aftershock anywhere you get your podcasts.
2: Yes. Anywhere you're listening to this. Anywhere you're listening to this, you can listen to Sarah.
0: Yeah, we're in the iHeart family.
2: Aftershock. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah Wayne, Sarah Wayne. It rolls well,
1: so easily off one's tongue, doesn't it? It does. Sarah and Wayne. And we Sarah got, and Wayne falls mainly on the plane. plane. The rain and Sarah Wayne.
2: Oh, <laughs> the mind. rain and Never mind. Wayne falls, falls mainly Sarah on Sarah. On Sarah on the plane. Wayne. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway... I knew it. We got off onto subjects. We got so far off track, which was fine because she's, she's so interesting. She's a great conversationalist. She's so great. interesting. She's so smart. She's so much fun. She is a really terrific person, a great actress, and, and director, director, and now podcaster, mm-hmm. producer. Yep. She's got a lot of hats, and she takes great And a terrific pleasure. mom too.
1: We'll... So many hats she wears. So many hats. She should have been a millionaire. But no, what's it
2: called? A milliner. Millinery. A millinery. A millinery. A millinery. At any rate, we'd like to thank you again for tuning in each week. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. That's the best way to show your love, is to share, share, and share alike. If you're interested in sending questions, we always love the question segment. You can send it to contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com, and we will talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone, edited by Marissa Ewing, music by Luca, executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network.